I'm Sarah Jenner and welcome to another episode of Noble Leaders Having Noble Conversations. I'm so excited to have with me today Kate Petru, founder of Mind Matters, an organization that holds mental health workshops focused on reducing stress, which I think we could all use in life, and inspiring happiness. And she is also the co-author of the best-selling book, Let That Shit Go. Kate, thank you so much for jumping on this interview today and having a conversation with us about Noble Leaders. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to speak with you and I love your whole mission and what you guys are about. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's such a pleasure. In your past work experience, Kate, what kind of leadership positions have you found yourself in? Um, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I've had it, um, a number of different jobs. I was in publishing, I was in media, um, and now more recently working for sort of an eco-beauty company um, part-time. But I, I found myself in positions where um, I had, you know, one or two people below me that I had to manage, that I had to manage their calendars mm-hmm. um, in terms of the project deadlines and things like that, and also help to kind of get their ideas for the company and their projects heard by um, upper management as well. So I think the largest team I've had is probably a team of two or three, but that doesn't include, you know, facilitating with other cross teams that I would have to work with. Yeah, and honestly, I still think like one, two, three individuals that you're overseeing, um, I don't think having a small number of staff that you're managing makes the job any easier, right? Totally, you, totally. It's still, yeah, it's still a tough job, for y- sure. Yeah, because you're still having to really like prioritize and be aware of um, conditions, conditions, workplace conditions outside of yourself, right? I think it's very easy for us as individuals to know these are my projects, these are my motives, these are my triggers, this is how I'm feeling mm-hmm. right now. But then when you manage even one other person, it's like yeah. it opens a whole other door to that position. Oh, totally, totally. Like this is kind of maybe weird and cheesy, but sometimes it's kind of akin to being like a parent in some way. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of responsibilities that you want. Like for me, the people that um, I've managed, I really want to see them grow and I want them to be happy. Like I have the same kind of wishes as a parent would, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely another layer that you have to add on to your, your current list. And sometimes it can be tricky to navigate because there's a lot of, I think, um, emotional intelligence that goes along with managing someone. So, yeah, absolutely. And while still creating those healthy boundaries, right? Because I know exactly what you mm-hmm. mean, where you're working with someone so closely and they like you spend a lot of time with someone that you're working with. And so you really get to know them as a person um, totally. and wanting to like make sure you're there to support them. But also having those healthy boundaries, too, can be such a challenge at times as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And when to say, okay, you know, I only have this amount of time to spend with you. And mm-hmm. funny you say that because I have some troubles with boundaries myself. Like I'm still working on it. It's the biggest journey for the rest of my life. But um, I found that recently I've been um, trying to put more structure around the roles to help set up boundaries mm-hmm. to say, okay, you know, I'm here in the morning for this amount of time and we can kind of speak about this. Um, just to to kind of prevent 
because um, I'm constant back and forth all the time. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like that's one of the ways you have to do it, right? Is to, yeah. I found that after a while too, that I just wasn't utilizing my calendar as much as I should. And yeah. it was like trying to stay on track with deadlines, but also making sure that if anything came up um, with projects that I made time for that was just like, it was so many balls in the air and trying to juggle yeah. them all became impossible. And so I did sort of the same thing as you, where it was like the first hour and last hour of my day, I never fill with appointments or um, meetings because it's like, this is my time to look at emails answer what has to be answered right away and at the end of the day to make sure okay there's no fires that I'm gonna have to put out tomorrow morning when I come in and just kind of set aside that time so that you can maintain your sanity (laughs) yeah no for sure for sure and I think it varies with each job and each role and it can be yeah it can be something like tricky to navigate and everyone's got different personalities too right so you might have managed someone and like this works but Someone else maybe isn't as structured, and it's about real time feedback. And so, yeah, it, it, it can be it can be tricky. Yeah, and just like you just said, trying to remember how everyone likes things delivered in their own personalized way, right? That while yeah. you can be sending an email to someone with instructions, that another really likes it face to face, and so trying to keep that top totally. of mind as well is like another. Uh, skill set on top of it yeah for sure for sure yeah so Kate what does being a noble leader mean to you um I love that word noble leader it sounds so strong yet humble yeah um and I think that's really like what a noble leader is all about like someone who is strong but has humility Mm -hmm. um because at the end of the day, we're, you know, there's, we're people and people make up corporations and we have to really accept each other's flaws and our own flaws and be, you know, openly imperfect with, um, with our own, you know, weaknesses and things like that, but also be really, try to be really um, strong and sturdy about what needs to get done and what has to get done so I think it can be sort of a fine balance but I I think it's really about being strong and humble at the same time Um, and it's funny because as I've been in I think I've been in the workforce now for 15 years but you get different advice from different managers and some of them say you know don't be friends with your subordinates and or you have to be tough or you know so it, it can be tricky to say, okay, that maybe maybe I should be tougher and, and you'll find the ways that you can kind of grow from being a little bit more stern. Mm-hmm. But also I think at the end of the day that, you know, companies are made of humans and, and what are we here for? And if we can improve our relationships with each other within the company, um, I think they can improve companies themselves within the market and how they play in the in the global world and in, in our world so yeah definitely that answers your question yeah and I love that answer I mean it's something that I've heard from a couple leaders now that idea of being strong yet humble and I completely agree with you having the courage to say I don't have all the answers I think is exactly. an amazing um asset to an individual but I also understand the other side of sometimes being in a leadership position, 
being humble is terrifying. It's like that idea yeah. of like, oh, well, now I'm pulling the mask off and they're all going to see me as um, someone who shouldn't be in this position or isn't meant to be a leader. And it can be a really scary thing sometimes. Hmm, yeah, no, that's so true because you want to be seen as someone who is is strong. But I think that's something that our society is slowly understanding now mm-hmm. that like being strong can also I mean it has to include making mistakes mm-hmm. because we're imperfect and by kind of showing others that you can embrace your own mistakes and fix them in you know a, like graceful or humble manner I think other people will pick that up and say you know what if I make a mistake, I can I can do the same thing. Because I think one of the biggest problems, um, I think in any company, is is lack of communication. Um, where you know there's something wrong in the company and everybody knows it, but they're not willing to be open about what some of the real problems are mm-hmm. in fear that they're going to look weak or that they're not doing their job or they're being you know argumentative. Or so, negative. Or... <laughs> or negative, yeah. And I think, like, we grow through, and that's what our book is about, too. It's like we, we grow through these difficult challenges in our life. And the more we can be compassionate with ourselves and compassionate with others, um, it's just, it, it's funny. It sounds like a more difficult road, but it's an easier road. It's just kind of a weight off because having to be perfect all the time is exhausting and you know not feasible so yeah I think it it um once you start doing it too um because I know some people I know Brene Brown talks about this but um having like a vulnerability hangover when you're mm-hmm. open about something but then you feel like oh wait I shouldn't have shared yeah. so much <laughs> like oh should I have said that and um I think sometimes that still does come and you can find that the, the right sort of tone and the right things to say but for me I found it really addictive and like mm-hmm. not addictive but therapeutic and the more I kept being open with my colleagues and with the people that I managed I found the more they you know re- kind of respected me for being honest about um, my own mistakes yeah and I love that idea that you brought up of Brene Brown the vulnerability hangover because I think It's something we talk about, too, um, in our work, the idea of when you're having a conversation with someone about performance and maybe they are um, really struggling at the time and asking them, like, hey, what's going on with you? Like, this is what I've noticed. And we always talk about individuals who may be um, suffering from depression and that we really coach people not to fill the silence because I think that's sometimes something we need to do. Like we just can't stand having silence. And that in that individual's mind who may be experiencing depression, they're thinking like, if I'm vulnerable with you, if I tell you what I'm going through, are you going to judge me? Are you going to criticize me? Are you going to hold me back from a promotion in the future? And I think it's the same idea with others too. I've definitely had moments where... I've shared with colleagues or individuals in a social setting. And then an hour, two hours, a week later, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what did I do? What did I say? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. 
Yeah. No, and it's, it's a reality. You know, a lot of people are suffering from depression mm-hmm. and anxiety, and myself included. I mean, I'm a mindfulness author. I, that's never to say I don't get sad or I don't get anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, the same with the Dalai Lama. You know, he gets upset, and I think really feeling your feelings is kind of a, a radical act. And, you know, corporate is stressful, and the world that we're living in is stressful, right? There's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of sort of issues I think within our system that kind of need to be resolved. So sometimes I think we put a lot of onus on the individual to kind of figure out their own depression or mm. figure out, you know, if, if you, you're just anxious, but for sure the way that, that, um, that we've been working nowadays and um, just the rising cost of house prices or even climate change, mm-hmm. like there's, there's a lot to be kind of, uh, um, uh, stressed about and I think that can happen within a company when you know there's something that someone notices with that's not going right or a manager's being not really appropriate so often um, people don't want to bring that stuff up but I think you know if we can have these open and vulnerable conversations people can learn to be not only better managers but at the end of the day better people right and that I think that's really our goal And it's so interesting to think about, like you were just listing so many external factors that can really um, affect our well-being. And the idea that like 20 years ago with the technology boom, we thought, oh my goodness, here are so many opportunities for us to have access to information and like up to the minute news and updates. And now it's like we are almost consistently bombarded by the ex- external factors that yeah, we are Yeah, totally, like, that we thought were going to help us. Yes. But they've actually, you know, they're starting to burn us out. And yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy. Like the, I remember reading some stats, I don't remember now, but like the person in 1950, you know, they would go to the office, they would have some phone calls and they would come home and, and no one can reach them. And now think the expectations a lot higher and I know it's kind of tricky like I've been actually kind of wrangling this myself but much of you know a lot of mindfulness when we talk about is uh, finding the calm within the storm and you know it's not external factors it can be up to you to kind of manage um, your own emotions and I think that's totally true but I also don't want us to ignore maybe some injustices that there are in the world Mm -hmm. and not feel our feelings about them um, because if we do that, we're, we're going to be, we're going to be blind to them. So I think if people are, like, I think we are in this moment of like, you know, there's anti-stigma and becoming normal to be not normal, but okay to, you know, have depression or have anxiety. But I think it can also be seen as, um, bravery as something strong as something radical because a lot of people aren't feeling their feelings Mm -hmm. and that's what's building up a lot of stuff so if we can kind of create an environment that um not only just is okay with someone who's going through that but I don't want to say gives them a hot but it's like good for you for feeling your feelings because that that is not it's not easy it can it's not easy and not to blame everyone or everything but I just want to say for anyone that is feeling a lot of stress and all of these messages of, well, it's your own self-care, figure it out. There's, there's, there's lots of external reasons why you're stressed out that are not your fault and to just to be really compassionate and, uh, and gentle with yourself. 
Yeah, and to not be afraid to have those conversations around, especially I think in the workplace, simple things like, um, I'm just going through a tougher time right now, and these are some things you could do to support me while I'm going yeah. through this, and yeah. you can deliver performance um, discussions to me this way, and we can maybe have a meeting once a week to kind of see how things are going, that sort of thing, and I think as a leader, being open to those conversations too, and empowering yes. your staff to come to you. Totally. Is, totally. Yeah, it would make a and huge it's, difference. Yeah, a huge difference. And even with Mina and I, like, we both wrote this book together, and everyone keeps saying, like, oh my God, how could you write a book with someone else? Like, that's a lot. And we were really being quite vulnerable in the book about our own insecurities and opening out about stuff that we hadn't talked about and and we were all good friends actually funny Nina was actually my boss oh um yeah so she was my boss at TerraCycle this environmental company we used to work for and we got along so well and I started this organization she was always into mindfulness and I said oh I'm running a mindfulness workshop I really want you to run it um and she was like yeah I'd be happy to so that's actually how we kind of she kind of kick-started her mindfulness career um, and our mindfulness workshop started to sell out, and then that's how we were approached by Harper Collins for the book. Um, so it's re- yeah, it's really funny that yeah, someone who is my boss is now like my best friend and coworker. And um, that that to say, as we were writing the book, we definitely went through some some really tough times, mm-hmm. um, uh, opening up about a lot of things, and we were really there for each other and supported each other. Um, through that to say, you know what, I can't talk tomorrow. I'm just feeling really down um, and things like that. So, yeah, I think it's really important. And I think that kind of relationship allowed us to build this book now um, that's in 12 countries, that's on the bestseller list. and um, That obviously so many people can relate to. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think, you know, we, we were under time crunch. We wrote it in two months and finalized everything in six or seven. But I don't think that would have been possible if we didn't create that kind of environment for ourselves mm-hmm. to work in and, and that kind of relationship. So it really, it does like improve your work and, and productivity. But again, at the end of the day, I just think it makes us better people. Yeah, I completely agree. So on this topic of stress and (laughs) all those external factors that can stress us out, what do you think has been the biggest challenge you've faced as a leader and how did you overcome it? Um, I think one of the biggest um, challenges I faced as a leader was it's funny because it has to do with this external stuff that we were talking about, but I was working for a company and like, I won't name the name, but you know, there was some stuff that was going on that I was like, this is not okay. Just in terms of their business practices. And it kind of like got around to some people in the office. And I had been such a champion for the company that you know, I think a lot of people were looking to me because I was always like, oh, I really believe in this and this is great. And, and then all of a sudden this information came out and, um, you know, and that was hard. And it didn't, to be honest, like it didn't end well. Most of the team ended up 
leaving. But at the same time, like I had a choice as a manager in that position um, to either, because there were a lot of people at the company that, that did this, is sweep it underneath the rug and pretend that nothing's going on. Um, or like really dig into it and be honest about how I felt about it and what, what was going on. And so, um, I think a lot of people are wrestling with this. Like I, you know, I also used to work in marketing in New York or sorry, in advertising. And there were a lot of really questionable products, um, that I had to sell. And, you know, one of them, they said, oh, we're not allowed to legally market to teens, but let's have a meeting on how we can market to them because the product is not really nutritional. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for kids' food. So I found those things are really hard to, to navigate because they can be really stressful and they, like, in your heart don't feel right. Yeah. And you might have other people going up to you saying, well, like, why are we doing this? What's going on? And I think I just think like as a society we need to be open to acknowledging that those things are wrong and that they're not okay and you either bring that to upper management which I did I mean I was called Snowden for doing that because I was like you know I'm exposing I wasn't exposing publicly but I was I went up to the top and said like this is not okay and I'm not comfortable working for this company if this is gonna happen um and you know, they kind of acknowledged some of the some of the stuff, and then I I ended up leaving. But I think that was probably one of the most difficult things in my career, and has been a reoccurring theme for my past in in marketing with some companies. And it's funny because our mindful AF workshop is always filled with. Um, uh, marketers who are in advertising agencies and um, I think they're just you know they worked really hard but there's a lot of I think stuff that companies are doing that aren't okay and we need to be honest with ourselves like if by using mindfulness by using compassion by feeling our feelings of what's okay as a company and what's not okay because I think, you know, the world is in a bit of a mess right now and we need to kind of fix it. And I, and I do think through um, that kind of behavior, we can we can get to a better place. I recently was at a conference and Jillian Harris was there speaking and she was with her team and they had actually talked about how for a while, because she was just this sensation, a lot of companies were coming to her asking to work with her and have her promote their products and they would but Mm -hmm. she said it took such a toll on them because it didn't it didn't follow along with their values and so they constantly felt like they were compromising their integrity and so what they ended up doing was putting together a list of like these are our non-negotiables in terms of um oh wow that's so wonderful yeah of like what we want to see in products um, where we want to see ingredients coming from sort of thing. And like, these are what we will not do. And then I guess it just alleviated so much of that that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, do we do this just for the paycheck or, and like Mm. feel awful looking at ourselves in the mirror at the end of every day? Mm. Or do we make these very clear outlines where if they don't mean it, then it's like, no, sorry, we can't do it for you. 
that is a great, that's a great example of, yeah, a leader just saying like, no, like, or even an agency saying these are the companies we're like not going to work with. And yeah. it's, it can be hard because of course, you know, you were here to, okay, not here, but a lot of people want, want to make money, but there's lots of other companies that are doing great things. And by setting those kind of boundaries and mm. setting, um, you know, mission, a mission for yourself, it feels a heck of a lot better for everyone. Exactly. You don't want to feel like you're going against, you know, you have no integrity or going against your own moral code. I think those kind of things can create a lot of stress mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes companies will come in and they'll say, oh, let's just do a mindful workshop and everyone, you just have to breathe. And I, that, I think that works. And I think that's the beginning of it. But let's not let it like pacify ourselves to things that are not OK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that while you can encourage your staff to do breathing exercises and have those moments, it's like if you're consistently asking them to go against their moral code every day it's absolutely going to be detrimental yes yeah totally totally yeah well I work at Kieran's um simple part-time it's a um a green beauty company and I just feel so good you know working for them we Mm -hmm. partner with environmental defense David Suzuki and um just knowing that the products are healthy for people and they're good for the environment it makes my job less stressful. I, I want to put together good work, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think by, as an organization, vocalizing those intentions and letting people know like, hey, we are very picky about who we work with and the ingredients mm-hmm. that are in our products and who we allow to promote us. I think that gives me as a consumer so much confidence in you that okay, totally. I feel at ease purchasing this over something else that I might see in a drugstore where I don't know what's in it and I don't know where it's coming from. And mm-hmm. yeah, that while I see their huge expensive advertisements, like I don't know the harm that could come from um, purchasing this product, not only for me as a consumer and using it, but also like the impact it's having on the environment. On the planet or yeah. your, yeah, or your face or your skin. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's just they are growing more and more and I think it's going to become more of the norm but Mm -hmm. I think it kind of goes back to our earlier conversation about feeling our feelings Um, I think the more that we can do that the more we'll be able to take action and taking action is like a great way to to alleviate a lot of anxiety so what would you say to someone who maybe found themselves in a similar situation where they've been working for an organization for a long time and they really believed in it, and then they're starting to notice these negative aspects of the organization, and they're feeling stuck, like they're consistently compromising their values each day. Um, yeah. But that there's that fear of, well, if I leave, like, what am I going to do next? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think um, it depends, yeah, on the environment that they're in, too. Mm-hmm. Like, do they feel comfortable asking those kind of questions to their manager and I mean I would encourage them to do that like to get more information so like gather all the information that you can and to figure out oh is this actually the situation and then if it is see what you can do to change it like sometimes it's a matter of getting a new supplier or setting those kind of um other rules and and regulations but um it's having those conversations with your managers, but sometimes, you know, people are in such 
could be in such toxic environments that they feel like they can't and they might get fired and that might be true right so i would test the waters and see if you can have those conversations and if it feels like nothing is going to change um then i would recommend looking for another job you know look for companies that might be doing something similar i mean now there's an environmental or like socially responsible um option for every kind of company out there and and find one that really matches your code it can be hard you know for me it was really hard leaving the company where I was like I thought everyone was kind of on the same page and I feel like they're all good people um so it can be frustrating because you get along with them and they're great but they seem to be doing something to you that morally is not okay so I think Another part of that is also to forgive those people that are in those situations. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes they might not have any other choice or their mindset is that that they've just grown up with, right? And you can't hold any resentment against that because I know that I have. That's something that I've had to work on. Um, and, you know, everyone's just just doing their best, but... Um, yeah, I think it's like feeling your feelings, testing the waters, and seeing if you can take action in the company. If you can't, then I would go I would go somewhere else. Yeah, and I love that you said everyone's just doing their best. Like, I feel like that's something that um, I know we discuss a lot in our programs because we work with a lot of managers to help um, help them understand different strategies and resources they can use to support staff who may be struggling or have a mental illness. And I often see in some of these sessions leaders that are just jaded, right? That they've had yeah. they've had situations where they've been burned and they just yeah. feel like, no, like I'm not going out of my way in order to do this again and have the same terrible outcome. And right. trying to really instill that idea of like, oftentimes, like, yeah, there are going to be people who take advantage of the system, but for the most part, people really are just trying to do their best and get through the day. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And not everyone Everyone's is, like, inherently evil. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, yeah. No, I don't think we are. I don't mm -hmm. think we are, you know, like, we're, we're in this system because we thought that it worked, right? Like, yeah. we launched capitalism because we saw that it helped countries get out of poverty mm -hmm. and it worked and the you know gdp increase and and all that kind of stuff but i think i don't know maybe i'm getting too corporate but i think we're at a point where we're kind of in a diminishing marginal return with capitalism i like i'm such a proponent of capitalism i think it's wonderful i think it's great but i think as a society we need to recognize there's something extremely wrong right now mm -hmm. um and that we need to fix that. And I think that's through um, bringing values back into our corporations. You know, Al Gore once had uh, like a town hall and someone, I think it was like some sort of priest or something. And he said, you know, I see the climate crisis as a values crisis. Um, and I think that that's really true. I think that our companies have put have lost a lot of their values. Um, and I think when you bring back good values and you actually adhere to them, you'll be a better manager. People will want to work for your company. And I think we can slowly change the world, you know? Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right that I think sometimes we get so used to doing 
things the same way because that's how they've always been done and Mm -hmm. we can be very afraid of change and so we don't look into what are some alternative options yeah yeah exactly exactly and there's 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 so many companies that have changed and and done done better for it so Mm -hmm. there's lots of great examples so I I think it's all sort of interlinked and so now that we're on this positive note of like having positive change within organizations, yeah. um, what has been the greatest lesson you've learned as a leader and how did it make you a better leader? Um, it, it, yeah, I think it kind of goes back to this idea of being, of being vulnerable. I am, um, I, yeah, I, like I, someone had told me, had told me that once before and um I think just being really open and honest with your employers really helped mm-hmm. I think another sort of lesson I learned is to be really compassionate with myself about being a leader because you know I have my own set of strengths too and my own set of weaknesses and um sometimes I'll try to set like a higher standard for myself um, that maybe sometimes I can't meet. Like one of my things is I'm not, I try to be as organized as I can and detail oriented, but I'm much more of like a creative, um, you know, more of a, like a strategic thinker. So um, if I'm not perfect at that, I think I just have to kind of accept that I bring lots of other values to the company within my creativity or my writing um, and also my relationships with people. So I think as leaders, we need to be, um, you know, really compassionate with ourselves. And I think through doing that, that allows us to be more vulnerable and humble because we're confident in who we are and we're not afraid of our own um, weaknesses because I think, everyone's strength is also their weakness sometimes so absolutely I would say something we talk about all the time is there's um a character strength survey that we do with participants from vme.org and we always talk about that your greatest strength can be a weakness like I know so many people had humor and it's like yeah humor is an amazing strength to have but there's also going to be times where it's really inappropriate and not acceptable to use it um and so and I know for me like my strength that came up was appreciation of beauty and excellence so I'm always admiring and noticing the small things in life like the little things that just make each day better and it's like yeah that's awesome but if I'm in a really stressful situation and I have to make decisions as a leader quickly and I'm like oh look at the font on this isn't it beautiful or look at the grade of paper they use that's so unique yeah yeah that's not helpful (laughs) at all right yeah no for sure but that's yeah totally acceptable we just have to kind of accept that that's you know we're not always going to be perfect all the time yes and it's about finding that balance and I think just listening to you talk about how um you're aiming to try and bring in more organization but that you're very aware that where you excel is in the creative aspects that I think is a leader understanding where your skills are and where you Mm -hmm. are lacking can help you then find those mentors, those employees who then are very strong in those areas 
So yeah. then you have that balance, right? We don't have to be the expert in every area. No, no. Yeah. And I think that really goes along with your idea of um, being humble as well. Mm -hmm. Which Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, a lot of the stuff I will just do, I'll either ask colleagues or how they deal with it or Google it or read some books on it. And I think it's, yeah, just sort of a lifelong thing that hopefully we just keep getting better at. But even if we mess up, that's okay too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I think the real, the real mess up is that when we mess up and we spend so much time bringing ourselves down and using negative talk instead of just acknowledging, Hey, I'm human. I messed up. How am I going to do this differently next time? Or asking others like, Hey, this is something I'm having challenges with right now, or that's really frustrating to me. Give me a perspective or an idea of how I could go about this differently. Cause this current route I'm on is just not Mm -hmm. working. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Kate, I just really wanted to say thank you so much for being a part of this conversation today. I loved all of our topics and I feel like the piece that really um, resonated with me was definitely that idea of, um, of understanding your values and not being afraid to really consider what you're willing to compromise and what you're not going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. And thanks for letting me speak about this because I, I think it's, you know, so closely tied to kind of what we're seeing in our economy right now and in the world, like feeling, I think feeling our mindfulness and feeling our feelings is going to be really part of that transformation to a more sustainable and peaceful economy. Um, so yeah, I really want people to, to, also, like, as we mentioned, like, if you're ever feeling, you know, depressed or anxious, like, not to really put so much fault within mm-hmm. within yourself. Like, there is a system that we're in that um, has made more and more people mentally unwell. So, um, it's up to us to really feel that and take action and, and see where there's maybe a value there that we don't have to fight those feelings but Mm -hmm. instead to really embrace them and try to understand them them. Mm -hmm. totally and know that that's brave it's brave to feel your feelings it's not just oh it's okay it's like very strong and courageous to do that oh awesome I love that we're ending this episode on a note of bravery (laughs) yes bravery for noble leaders (laughs) oh good well kate thank you once again and thank you all for listening to another episode of noble leaders having noble conversations